Hebrews chapter 6. We begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, laying, not laying, again, the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is po- impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of this coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed and in the end it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things In your case, things that accompany salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask as we have worshipped you as we come to your word now that you would speak to us. That you help me to speak your words, but Lord, I know that you can go beyond anything I say. And you can bring this right down to the very heart of the matter, to the heart in us with your sword. So move and work. Lord, as you have been and in this moment, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us. That you would flood us with an ocean of your love this morning. That we may remain in that. Pour out. Pour out your Help us, Holy Spirit, this morning to open up and receive. Not as closed vessels, but as instruments for your love to flow through. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I know it's hard to believe. We're like, the fall has started. We're here and this is the day. It's Labor Day weekend, right? I mean, can you believe that? It, it, this is a weekend that is supposed to be about, by the way, supposed to be about celebrating the labor of the American worker and their contributions made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of the country. Ironically, in some ways, That is similar to what we are celebrating here today as we look at communion. What we are doing is we are celebrating the work, the labor of Jesus on that cross and how he has made a difference in our life and given us strength and prosperity and well-being 
in our life. And as we look closer at communion and we were asked, well, what is communion about? We know that part, but, but what is a, a general thought or thinking as we think of communion? And we can't help but think that it's about God's love for us. Not a love that he just felt for us. Not a love that was all talk. And in fact, it's not a love that was just a walk. It was a love that was a work. Because that's what love does. That's what love is. Love works. And it is through his example that he shows us the way. In fact, he shows us the work that God is calling each of us to this Lord's Labor Day. To love, to have a love that works. A labor of love, one for another. Just as it speaks of here in Hebrews 6. We're just going to focus in on that verse 10 for the most part. This is, as we look at verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. There's a sense that depending on which version you read is about talking about that labor of love. In fact, that's not the only place. In fact, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the themes that God talks about is that labor of love that we are to have. And we're going to look more closely this morning at that and how we follow Christ's example to have a labor of love for one another. And the first thing that we need uh, to have, the first thing that we need to do or however we want to think about this is that we need to have a love that labors. Now think of it that way. It is a love that labors. In fact, in verse 9, as we read right before that, in verse 9, it talks about, uh, we speak to you, dear friends, we are confident better things in your life, uh, in this case, things that accompany salvation. Well, those things that accompany salvation, those things that are part of salvation, should be with salvation as we think about it, is our labor, our service for the Lord. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 is a familiar verse that you've heard before. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, right? This not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. We know and we recognize, many of us know, say this is the, the salvation we've received. It's, it's a gift. It's grace. It's what God's done. It's what God's done for us. But it's not just what God's done for us. It's what God's done through us because we stop short. We use to, uh, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 all the time in the church, but we don't use the very next verse. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Brothers and sisters, we have been saved in 2, 8, and 9 to serve in verse 10. We have been saved to serve for good works that God has prepared in advance for us. And that best work to live out that faith is more than just a feeling of love towards others, more than just a talk, more than just a walk. It must be a work, a labor of love that is spoken of here in Hebrews chapter 6. Think about someone who uh, work, 
uh, put a lot of work into something for you. Somebody that put a lot of work into something just for you. I think of, uh, long ago, I think of my grandma who would take the good part of a year to knit a sweater for us and give it to us at Christmas time. Someday maybe you'll see that one of those sweaters. Uh, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, we would say, Grandma, that was a labor of love. We spent a lot of time and give all of us, you know, give us kids a, a, a sweater. Or, or how about a little child who gets to make this art project, putting together this whole thing and drawing and maybe doing some pacing, all these kind of things. Hours and hours and hours just to be able to give their work of art and all the time to their parent. Just to kind of say, you know, here for you. It was a labor of love for them we talk about. We use that expression today often to mean something that is done for pleasure and not for profit. In many ways, we say it's a labor of love. Not really. We say it's, it's not really a labor because of we love doing it, right? Often that expression, they say, it's not a labor. It's not work because I love doing it. It's something you enjoy, something you're good at. At least that's the phrase labor of love means in the world. But that's not the true meaning of the phrase that originated in the Bible. This phrase originated in God's word, and that's not what he means. And unfortunately, what has happened is we end up thinking of that labor of love and therefore limit our, the world's way of thinking. We limit our labor by serving one another just to those things that we love or that we like to do, to those things that come easy for us. And when it's no longer easy, when we no longer love doing that service for others or enjoy doing that labor for the Lord, we quit. Because we say it's not a labor of love. According to the world's definition, not. But that's not God's labor of love that He is calling us to. Rather, that word in verse 10 that speaks of labor has to do with work that is not easy. It is a labor that is done with effort. It is a labor that costs us something. True labor for the Lord is not just about love that does work that we are comfortable with or that's convenient. To labor is not easy. It is selfless. It is sacrificial. In fact, we could say, because we're talking about the labor of loving others, love is hard work. Can I get an amen? Yeah, we don't want to amen that. But we know it's true, right? Love is hard work. And yet, we do kind of have to ask, how hard is it, really, when we are working with God's love, with God's gifts that He's given to us, along with God's strength that He's given us, along with God's time, and it's all His, how hard is it really to love others? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 gives a bunch of things that are going on with him in, in the whole difficult trials. And he says in verse 27, I have labored and toiled. Paul labored with all his being, toiled in serving the Lord, in serving others, laboring in love for other people. Some people say, oh, I don't want to go overboard in this. I don't put too much effort. 
And yet the labor that the Lord is calling each of us to is a love that works. In fact, Paul said in regarding his labor or his love, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Poured out sacrifice in his service for others. Some may argue, well, but but I've got I've got other priorities. Well, of course we do. We have other priorities. But the first question is, are they God's first priorities? Are the things that we have to do, the things that we we just don't have time to do this other stuff for, are we seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Because if we are, everything else will be taken care of. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. When love works, and our love for Him, God works. Even if we say, but God wants me to care for my earthly family. And that is a biblical truth, and I hope that you are. And yet, do you realize that there is so much more written in the Word of God about our responsibility, about our love, a love that works for God's family, even more than there is for your earthly family? There is more written there about what we should be doing for one another and to one another and with one another than with our own earthly families. If all we do is take care of our own little world, how does anything get done in God's big wide world? How does his kingdom come? And all our talk about keeping our priorities straight, we need to ask ourselves, what is our purpose in this life? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Is it just for self-enjoyment because life is short? Is it just to work, eat, and sleep, repeat until the day we die? Is our purpose here for our earthly family? Or is there a greater plan that God has for each and every one of us, each and every Christian, that he has given a gift to labor within the body of Christ with? A few words later in verse 10 here, beyond your work. It says, as you have helped his people. At least that's what it says in the NIV here. As you have helped his people. But that's not really the best translation of what those words are. In fact, you'll see in other versions, and you may have some of those other versions, it uses different words. Minister or serve. And so we would read, as you served his people and continue to serve them. It puts a little different spin than just hearing help somebody, doesn't it? As you serve his people and continue to serve them in a humble, wait upon others kind of way. But all too often our American churchianity does not want to think of ourselves that way. We're missing it. We're missing it when, when we hear someone say, you know, I'm just a volunteer. I don't have to do this. I'm not getting paid for this. I don't need the hassle. Why, this almost seems like labor. Yeah. But is that not 
like the love that Jesus gave us the example of? It's like, we don't want to go so far. We don't want to do much. We don't want to get to where we're having to really have to work at this. But who, what is the example? I mean, even Jesus before that in John chapter 13 gives us and expresses his love through his labor. And not just any labor. What does he do? He does one of the dirty jobs, right? One of the dirty jobs where it, that is reserved for the servant of the house. And he washes the caked on dirt, the stinky sandal feet that had walked through streets where animals had walked. Are you with me? All right. And so here was... There you go. Somebody's with me. So Jesus, their master... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Not just their master. Jesus, God who should have been the last one in that room to have labored in washing their feet, got up and did just that because love works. And Jesus shows that right here by what we're looking at in communion, the ultimate labor, the work on the cross for us. And yet somebody tries to argue, well, well, well that was Jesus' choice. He did that out of his love for us. That was his choice. I don't have to do the stuff like Jesus did. I just really don't have to do that. And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, yes, we do. As we follow the Christ way in saying this and living this kind of life of sacrifice that serves loving. There are going to be those times where you're doing all that you can and it will not be enough. Despite the love that you have, you are not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Savior. You have given all that you can. For example, you've given all that you can to your family. And it still seems like it falls short. That's when you remember you are not your family's Savior. We serve. We do all that we can. And we need to make sure that in those moments that we are taking up our cross, we are following Christ. You can't be three places at once. But when you make that decision of which one of those places you're going to be at, it better be where God is at, where God wants you to be. It better be that you are there because it's according to his wants and his plans, not our wants and our plans in that moment. There are places we want to be. There are places that we like to be. There are places that we think we should be. Where does God need you to be? Where is he calling you to be in that moment? And when you're there, be there. And he has to take care of the rest in that moment. You can't do it all, but you do need to do exactly what he's called us to do so someone will say you know what i i've I've denied myself i have given and given love but it seems like no one gives back and oftentimes that's how you truly feel but it's not always the truth and there are a number of reasons for that including it 
in some ways being a sign that you're moving towards burnout. Or that Satan is blinding your eyes. When you start feeling like, I give and give and no one seems to love and give back or help, serve. Perhaps in the past we burned more brightly in serving our Savior. But right now the light is dim somewhat. And not just because of everything that's going on on the outside of you, but for us to recognize the light dims because of what goes on inside of us. We end up burning the wick instead of the oil of the Holy Spirit. That's when we say this labor is just too hard. We're missing it. But God encourages us. In Galatians chapter 6, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Love works. But sometimes, sometimes at least for some people, it does seem to be true that the love shown for them is less than the love that they give. And in those moments where it really is true that your love that you are giving, that you are, are putting out there is so much more than what is coming back, so to speak, in those moments, we can make the mistake of putting our foot down and not laying our life down. Putting our foot down, to the, this is it. I will work in love when you decide that you will work in love for me. I understand that feeling, but it's not Christ-like. That is a description of conditional love. I will if you will is conditional. Not God's love who labored unconditionally with no conditions of His love for us. He says, I will Love you even when you were still my enemy. Romans chapter 5. Having a love that labors is worth it. It's worth it. Remember not only that our labor is not in vain. As 1 Corinthians 15 verses 50 and on talk about. But let us not forget what awaits us. As we look here in Hebrews chapter 6. In verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown. God is not unjust or neglectful. He will not forget. He will not forget the labor that we've done. Now, normally we don't like to think about getting something from what we give to the Lord, right? We don't want to be self-serving. We don't want to be like I'm doing this to get something and all that kind of stuff we're not into this whole uh, prosperity kind of thing and all this kind of stuff we just want to give and that's 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 what taking up the cross is all about 
But what we forget is the reality is God has promised a reward. He says it right here. And sometimes I think we, in our taking up our cross, we're not willing as well to take up what God wants to give us, all that he wants to give us. And he says, he will not forget the labor that we have done. He sees what you're doing. He keeps record of it. And he will not forget. Which means no amount of human applause or appreciation or words or thanks from anyone else will ever come close to the reward and recognition that we will get in heaven. That we will get from him. So let us never bemoan the fact that we're not getting the recognition, we're not getting the respect, we're not getting the love that we think we should from others. Because God sees it all. His love works, not just through us, but His love works for us and rewarding us in that. We need... We lost it there. We need to move on to the second point. We need to have a labor that loves. We say love works, but the work is love. To that we were called to love one another. To love one another is something that is mentioned so many times in God's word. We, we read it here about that, that labor of love we're having to one another. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Colossians 1, verse 4. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all. Or Philemon 1, 5. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in Lord Jesus. Here's some Christians, you know, you hear Christians talking about how they want to love God. Oh, I just love God. I just want to love God. And yet in the next breath, they don't want to love or have to connect with God's people. You cannot have the vertical without the horizontal. You cannot have the vertical relationship with God without the horizontal. Think about it. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And when Jesus answered, what is that greatest commandment? He gave both the first and second greatest commandment to love God and love others. He did not separate them. Every time in each of the gospels, he did not separate them. He put them together. We should not separate and think somehow there is some difference. We love God, but we don't have to on this end. They are one together, a first and a second. In fact, the word that's used here in Hebrews chapter 6 for love is the one that you may have heard of before, agape. The agape kind of love that God has. A kind of love that should be laboring in. A love that is not based on what someone does, of whether they deserve it or whether they've earned it. It is a love that does not require anything first. It is unconditional. It is not looking for anything in return. It is a love that works for others. But the reality is, at least in some churches, 
It is a love that does not always work for others. Last week, for those who were with us, we took in a number of new members. And they gave testimony. It was great. It was great to hear them. And and as they talked, they talked about how for them, what brought them here, what attracts them, what keeps them, what, what really was part of why they want to be a member was that they had a, a very clear sense of a, a closeness, a warmth that is here. And it is. But not everyone necessarily feels that. And we need to do better at making sure that we have a love that labors for all. It's just like any other church. There are those who have been here for years that may not be connected. It could be here for years and not connected and have not experienced the kind of love that really labors. But here's the other thing. There's a flip side to that. There's a sense that you will feel the warmth of a fire the closer you get to it, right? You feel the warmth of a fire the closer you get to it. And it may be for some of those who are not feeling the warmth, you need to get closer. And to stop people at arm's length. To get to where that warmth is that you say you're not, you may not experience. To get closer. To move closer to others. To get connected beyond Sunday mornings in a real way. One hour a week is not enough to grow deeper in love with God. And neither is one hour a week enough to grow deeper in love with one another. There are many ways to do this. And one of the best ways that we have is through life groups. In fact, I believe that we talked about those members. I just mentioned those members last week. They gave testimony of the love that they felt here. I believe each one of them, at least at some point in time, have been in a life group, connected in a small group, and made connections. Now, I know that they would say that those connections are beyond just their life group, but that began there. Another comment that was made by these uh, being received as new members was a sense that they had. They had a sense that we were a family. There's a sense of family here at OCCA. And that's a good thing. But I don't know sometimes that we recognize that's also a challenging thing. We just don't make the jump in our thoughts to the next one. It's like a family. And that's a good thing. But think about it. How many of you have perfect families? And I've been here long enough to know many. Right? Let's think about it. Our earthly families are not perfect. They do not always agree. They fail. They fall. We need forgiveness in our earthly families, don't we? And yet, whatever happens, none of that matters because we are family. And we love them 
You know, we think about our earthly family. We still love them because we're family. Well, guess what? You are family. Right here. And while I haven't been here that long, I think I have figured out something that maybe if you're a visitor here, you want to close your ears, don't hear this, but I think I figured out that you're not perfect. And I think I've been here long enough that most of you figured out I'm not perfect either. But you know what? We're family. That works at love with a love that works. You see, the good news is that the love of this labor is not based on a relationship with one another. Like again, back to verse 10. I mean, there's just so much just in this one verse. It talks about how God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. In fact, um, in the New American Standard, which is a literal translation, it doesn't mean it's always better, but literally it says, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name, having ministered and still ministering to the saints. It is a labor of love that is shown to who? It is a labor of love to the believers, to the body of Christ, to the family of God. But really, who is that labor of love shown? Uh, it says, towards his name, exalting his name. Our labor of love, in a sense, is making much of Jesus' name. Uh, the works of love towards one another is for Jesus, for his name which really challenges any kind of attitude that says, well, I don't really have to put any effort into this. I don't really have to work at it for this person and, 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 and they'll be okay with that. You know what? We're not doing it for them. We're doing it, giving that love to them, but we're not doing it for them. We're doing it for Jesus. We can have all kinds of reasons why we don't labor in love for one another, but we only have one that we need to why we should, and that is for the name of Jesus. First Peter 4, verse 11 says, If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. That we serve, we do that with the strength God provides, so that not somebody else can be blessed, but so that God can be blessed. That God can be praised. Our motivation then, as we read verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown. Who? Him. As you have helped his people and continue to help them. As you have helped, as you have served his people and continue to serve them. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. It has nothing to do with the love for the people that we're ministering to, although that's a valid reason. Please don't think, okay, well, I don't have to love anybody here. You know, that's, that's not what we're talking about. But it's not about our feelings or any personal connections that we have with one another. We labor and love and care for people because we love God, which raises the bar to a whole new level of what love and serving should be about. 
that is ultimately the reason that we labor in love is a love for Jesus. It's just like he said in Matthew chapter 25 as he talks about the righteous will answer him. When did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did you see a stranger, we see a stranger invite you in and needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Our love that labors with one another, our labor that loves one another is done ultimately for him. But ultimately, even beyond that, to him. So today, you interact with someone and you show them love in some way and it really work in that way. It's not really to them that you're doing it. It's to Jesus. The problem is sometimes we have a labor of love just for those who love us. A labor of love for those who we like. We have a labor of love to those who are like us. To those who are special to us. And the reality is we should love all those who are special to Jesus. Which is everyone. Because that's who he died for. We don't love because of any feelings or obligations we feel towards people. First John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. But that's not what happens with other people. We don't love them because they first loved us. No, we love them because God first loved us. And there is nothing else that comes into play regarding what a labor of love is solely than our love for Jesus. So how are you really loving God? Does your love work? Are we serving in a way that is both a labor and a love? Not just serving, but loving. Loving God by how we labor for others and with others in their life. You know, there are many that are doing that here. in ways that some of you don't know about or see or, you know, and I just happen to catch some things. I'm sure I'm only catching a fraction of what's going on. And that is great. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for loving Jesus that way by loving his family. But we need to continue to grow and to look beyond Uh, our circles that maybe we've always been and to enlarge our circle, to leave room for someone to come closer to the warmth of the fire. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 is a great verse. It says this. Let me get to that. And let us... Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Love and good deeds with one another. Let's spur one another on in that. You know what? We're going to do that in communion. Oftentimes, we... 
come to communion sometimes, unfortunately, in a very religious way, in a very churchianity way. That just, well, this is what we do and we got to do it. We don't think about this. But as well, we come in a very churchianity, American churchianity way. Which is, we make communion to be just about me and Jesus. It's like you're sitting in a whole crowd of people, but communion is just about you and Jesus. Now, I know some of you say, oh, don't take that away from me. It's a special time. It is a special time. But guess what? When you read about it in the Word of God, or you read about Corinthians, it was a whole time together where all the body of Christ came together and shared together. In fact, he says, listen, and some of this stuff, if you want to do it that way, just go do it at home. And you're eating and stuff like that. They shared a whole meal together. That time of communion was recognizing not just the body of Jesus was broken, but that we are the body of Jesus in this world. That we recognize one another. It's not just this American individual churchianity, but a Christianity that recognizes we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And we are to love one another just as Jesus loved us. And here it is. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Go ahead. The worship team can come now. And in just a moment, we're going to have the communion stewards in different places here within the sanctuary. And what you will see when you come up here are these. And it's not that they forgot to break them. Uh, don't take a whole one. I don't know that I had to say that, but hopefully not. What We did this once before. Some of you may not have been with us. Recognize that we are part of one another, that we are to have a love for one another. And remember, you can't have the vertical. You can't be just saying, okay, I'm just going to have this vertical without having the horizontal. Jesus bought with his own blood the church. Acts 20 makes it clear. Us. And so as you come up, is that you would break off a piece big enough that you can take and break off and share with someone else. And in that moment, I'm not going to do it right this moment, but in that moment... If there's something that needs to be expressed between you and that person, to do that. A love, appreciation, a care of this verse. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In this moment of communion, to spur one another on to love and good deeds, to speak in that person's life. And for some of you, it may be that it's someone that you haven't for a while and there's been something that just needs to be put under the blood of Jesus in the past and say, I want, let's begin. Let's start fresh because of what Jesus has done for me. I love you not only with the love of Jesus, I love you because of Jesus. So we will celebrate the bread in this way They ask the communion stewards to come at this time.
after we have celebrated the bread in this way after a while and you've had that opportunity to share with people around you, just take your seats. We will then, for those who haven't taken yet, can, uh, take, can take together. And then the cup will be passed throughout the rows as we continue on with our sense of uh, recognizing what Jesus has done, not just for me. It's, oh, how he loves you and me. And, oh, how I love Jesus needs to be also, oh, how I love you. That's his commands. Father, I pray that you would bless this bread. Jesus, it represents your body, which is broken for us. Even as we break off the peace, we remember how your body was broken, not just so that we don't go to hell and we can be with you in heaven, but so that we could be a part of your forever family, joined with one another. Jesus, you shed your blood, not just for me, but for the church. It is your people, this family. Help us to recognize the love that you have and help us to love others in a way that shows you we love you. Move in this moment, in this time. In your name we pray. Amen.